Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. We're kind of piggybacking up on what we spoke on Tuesday, which was the authority of the believer which I know, I've already gotten in some messages, people have been set free from like bad misconceptions because, you know, if we're going to believe this Bible and what it says about God and we're going to believe this Bible and what it says about the devil, then we have to always take, we have to also take it up and believe it about what it says about you and what it says about us in Christ. You know, if you go through the scriptures and you see in him, in whom, through him, in Christ, and you read the things that follow those statements, they're powerful statements. So as this light of the word of God gets into your spirit today, the Bible says the entrance of his word brings light and it gives understanding to the simple. And what does light do? Light shines out darkness and darkness can't do anything about it. So take the Take a couple of seconds, share the broadcast. Hi, Renita, Rachel on YouTube. Get it out to as many people as possible. Let's build this viewership. And uh, without further ado, let's bring on the guests. I have a special guest today. His name is Preston Shuttlesworth, a great man of God that God is raising up in the United States of America. And let's just take him on here. Hi, Preston. Hey, what's up, guys? Good to be with you today. Oh, I'm glad to have you on. I've been, you know, following you for a couple of, I guess, maybe a year or so since you got on Instagram. And uh, I've been watching your preaching clips and uh, testimonies of you traveling and stuff. And they're just so powerful. I mean, how, how old are you? I'm 21 years old. 21 years old. And the guy preaches like he's John Osteen in his 70s. <laughs> like a very powerful preacher. And um, God is raising him up in America and around this world to be a voice for revival. And um, I just want to welcome you, on the, welcome you on the broadcast today. Yes, uh, thank you for having me on. I'm so happy to be here. Um, actually, this is my first year launching out in full-time ministry, evangelistically traveling since graduating Bible school last year. And, and God's been good. And uh, even in this time where everyone is closing down ministries, God started my ministry this year. So uh, if anything I've learned from now, I'll have nothing to ever doubt God about when he's told me and called me into the ministry that no matter what's going on in the world, you can launch out and do what God's called you to do. And uh, I know today we'll be talking about faith, and it's one of my favorite topics and subjects. And I believe God will minister to you today wherever you are. And um, I'm sure many of you are familiar with my family because of the connection with uh, Pastor Jessica and Pastor Steve in Montreal. And I'm sure you're probably tired of all the Shuttlesworths popping up, but you got another one today. So I hope I'm not, um, I hope you are used to Shuttlesworth preaching and it's going to be a good day on the broadcast and very excited to be with Evangelist TJ today. So we're, yeah. they, they, we all love Shuttlesworth preaching. Let me tell you, well, let's get <laughs> in it. I want to go through a couple of things um, in starting this because we, we started out on Tuesday preaching on the believer's authority and uh I think that one message that's needed on the, in the body of Christ today is the acknowledgement of who we are in Christ, what God has made us. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Yes. And I think what the devil tries to do the most 
and try and blind, even if, if he can't keep you from getting saved, this is the message he pretty much wants to keep people from getting access to. And that's why it's dominantly criticized, even in, uh, even in Christian circles, the dominion theology, they talk, you know, that it's heresy and stuff. Because the devil knows that if he, if this word, you know, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, that the, the God of this age has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest they should see the light. He knows that if this message were to spread across the body of Christ, his days of dominion, his days of ruling, his days of holding a grip on the children of God is pretty much over. Uh, and right. so I want to start off first and foremost by talking about, I know I said we're going to do prayer, but I want to talk about the dominion power of faith. So Preston, if you can just just uh, bounce off that the dominion power of faith what faith does because we entitled this the unlimited power of faith so how does faith yeah. give you dominion practically well i can go to the bible first of all a scripture popped up in my spirit when you mentioned that the bible says in first john chapter 5 verse 4 that this is the victory that has overcome the world even our faith and so one thing you have to understand about faith is that faith wins Faith is on the winning side. You can't get in this mindset that if you have faith, you're going to take defeat and you're going to be sick in your body. You're going to be afflicted in your mind. No, the Bible says that faith is the victory that has overcome the world. If you have faith, you're an overcomer. If you have faith, you're on the winning side. You have no reason to feel ashamed. You have no reason to feel like you're less than. But faith actually is the reason why you can have victory in this world. You know, Paul said in Romans, he said that you are not just a conqueror, but you are more than a conqueror. Why are you more than a conqueror? Because you can experience the, the benefits of victory without ever having to fight a battle. You know, I can give you an example in the natural realm. But let's say a boxer. You might think of a boxer that wins a fight as a conqueror. And yes, he is a conqueror. But you know who's more than a conqueror? That boxer's wife and children. Why? Because that boxer, even though he had to fight a battle to get his prize, his wife and his children can receive that same prize without ever having to step in a ring, without ever having to knock anybody out. Why? Because the person they're connected to already won that victory for them. So when Paul said you're more than a conqueror, what he was saying was that because you've linked yourself to Christ and because Christ overcame sin, death, hell, and the grave when he gave his life on the cross and shed his blood, that because now you've confessed by faith and accepted that victory, now you are an overcomer in this life and in the life to come. You will never experience defeat if you walk by faith because faith is the victory that has overcome the world. You know, many people have this perception that faith is like this, this meek thing where, you know, uh, life's terrible and, you know, I never have enough and my, my family's always in turmoil, but I just have faith that one day it will change. That's not what faith is because the Bible says now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith says I have it now. That's why faith is better than hope because hope will believe and, and maybe one day it will happen. And that's great. But the Bible says something about hope. It says hope deferred makes the heart sick because hope hopes and waits and waits and waits. But faith says, I have it right now. That's why when Jesus taught in Mark chapter 11, he said, when you pray in faith, believe that you have received it 
and it shall be yours when you ask it. That's what faith is. Faith says I'm a victor. Faith says I'm a winner. Faith says my body's healed right now. And faith contradicts the natural report of the world. And you might say, well, it's good to preach on faith, but it doesn't change my natural circumstance. Well, that's the thing about faith. Faith has nothing to do with natural circumstance. Faith acknowledges that there's problems, but it understands that that problem has already been defeated by the work of Christ Jesus and us confessing and believing that what Christ did, he did for you and I. So first of all, when it comes to the dominion power of faith, you're a winner. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. You're the head and not the tail. God has made you above and not beneath. You go from glory to glory from victory to victory, and from strength to strength. Your life is not supposed to be this roller coaster where you have a good week and then a bad week, a good day and then a bad day. But the Bible says you have a promise to go to never-ending increase, that everything will always be multiplying. Things will always be going good for you because why? You have a God in heaven that has given you victory through the blood of his son Christ Jesus. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, it says the light of the righteous should shine brighter and brighter until the fullness of day. You're not going backwards because faith will never go backwards. You know, there's a story. I believe it's Lester Sumrall, but he built his driveway in his house so that it would never go backwards. He built it in a circle way so that when he'd pull in, he could go right back out and never have to reverse his car because he said that faith never goes backwards. You will not go backwards one more day from this moment forward. You're listening to this broadcast today and you're saying, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know how I'm gonna pay the bills this week. I don't know what I'm gonna do about this disease in my body. Well, I want you to know that all it takes is a mustard seed size faith to move mountains. And not only that, but because you're the victor, you become a speaker. Because if you never speak and confess your faith, your faith will never work. Because Jesus taught in Mark chapter 11 that your faith is activated by your speaking. And so if you never speak and confess by the word what he did for you, it will never be active in your life. Because God's promises in the Bible are established but they are activated by your words. That's why the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And there has to be a moment in your life where you look at what the world's doing, you look at what, you know, what the news is saying, what everyone is doing in the world, and you have a resistance in your spirit that says, I don't want not want to be like them, because God has made me distinctly different through the blood of Christ Jesus and the power of my faith and my confession of faith. And never allow, you know, a lot of people this year have allowed what's gone on in the world, what the CDC is saying, what the WHO is saying, whatever report they get from the enemy, they allow that report to affect their spirit and they have their confession stolen by fear and intimidation. But faith says, I'm not going to live by natural perception, but I'm going to live by what I know to be true by the word of God. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, that we walk by faith and not by sight. You see, the greatest enemy of faith is not just fear, but it's sight, because fear doesn't come in until you perceive a situation that looks like it's impossible to overcome. You know, you think of David, when he saw Goliath, he saw Goliath as an opportunity to be king. But when Saul and the rest of the army saw Goliath and they saw the giant, they thought that was a reason to be afraid and they hid. 
but that will not be your story in Jesus' name. Because today, by this broadcast, by the preaching of the word, faith is coming into your spirit and it's coming alive so you can be an overcomer in every area of life and have never-ending increase all the days of your life in Jesus' mighty name. Because that's what faith can do. Hallelujah. I mean, that's so powerful. And, you know, I was thinking the other day that in Genesis, just to like bounce back on what you're saying in Genesis, yeah. when God said in Genesis 1 26, God created man in his own image and then said, now have dominion over the birds of the air, over the fish of the sea and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, including serpents. And it was in Genesis three that when the serpent came in, the uh, Satan in disguise of a serpent came in and deceived Eve by his craftiness. You know, Eve really, what ended up happening there, she dropped her recognition of dominion and authority. She dropped her awareness of the authority God gave her because when you have authority, you're not played by things that are under you. When you have dominion, when you understand what dominion is, and she obviously... Uh, she understood that she had been given authority and dominion over the work of God's hands. But when right. the snake came in and deceived her, she had a lapse of judgment in that moment about what authority and the authority she carried. And it allowed the enemy to come in and ruin and damage what God had set up in Eden. And that's why if you take faith and dominion and authority as some like, you know, nonchalant topic that ultimately you know what matters most is that we get saved and get to heaven and all these things yes getting saved and getting to heaven is is important the most important however you can't throw the rest out it's not because right. something's very important that other things are less important and so if you study the word and you see everything that God has given to us by faith first of all you can't even get saved without faith because right. it's by grace through faith that you are saved and not that of yourself you can't be healed by faith because the Bible says daughter thy faith hath made thee whole so you can't right. even receive physical healing without faith you can't please God without having faith at work in your heart because Hebrews eleven six says without faith it's impossible to please God you can't live in vitality and vibrancy without faith because the Bible says the just shall live by faith so the message of faith though it's very harshly criticized in religious circles you know all oh, that's that word of faith stuff oh beware of those guys you know they really preach uh, uh name it claim it you know uh just some fairy tale wishy-washy stuff and they try and belittle it because right. and that's you know, nothing's changed. And I know you can agree. Nothing's changed from the days of Caleb and Joshua when they said, when the land was before them and God said, you, you should go up and take possession of it. And they said, if God's on our side, we can by all means take possession of the land. What was the reaction from their own brethren? They picked up stones to stone him. You know, you, you look at Jesus's day. Jesus preached faith. Jesus preached the kingdom of God. What was the reaction of the religious pharisaical crowd? It was to pick up stones to stone him. You look at David when he wanted to go out and kill Goliath. What was the reaction of his own brothers? Go back to your few sheep that you shepherd and keep out of our way. Every time you'll move out in faith, there's always going to be someone that's going to pick up a stone and try and bring you back because people hate when you move forward. I love how you, you talked about Lester Summerall's garage, how he had it in a way where he can never back up. It was just a constant loop. He was constantly moving forward. People hate 
There are people that the devil will anoint to get around you and stick into your environment that'll try and suck you dry of faith. They'll try and belittle the, the, the faith of God in you. They'll try and criticize you, try and break you down. Try, But you know what? Just as the devil will try and bring anointed people on his side to do that, then there's people like Evangelist Preston and myself and others that God will anoint to encourage, to build you up, to commit this word of God with, to you so that it can build you up in your most holy faith. And, um, and that's important. That's why you have to set yourself and guard your heart. Right. I don't know if you want to, you want to say anything. Yeah. I mean, really when it comes to faith, the verse that sticks out to me is the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And simply from that verse alone, that makes me want to be a person of faith. Why? Because I want to please God. I don't understand how people can say things like, well, you're just a hyper faith preacher. You're just a faith preacher. You're someone that believes all these kind of things. How can you be hyper faith? How can you be hyper faith if hyper means too much of and faith is the only thing that pleases God? So you're telling me that I have too much of the only thing that pleases God, that I have too much of the thing that without it, it's impossible to please God. If you're not a faith person, you're not a pleasing person to God. How are you going to please God without faith? You can't do it. No matter how many works you do, no matter how many charities you start, no matter how many hospitals you build in Africa, no matter how many clothes you give to South American children, no matter what you do, no matter what work of the flesh you do, you cannot please God if it's not done by faith. And that's what me and TJ are preaching today. That we are people that want to please God. We're not on the wrong side of God. We're on the right side of God because faith is what pleases God. Do you think in the, like how he mentioned, do you think God was displeased with David when he was like, you know what? I'm going to take off this giant's head today while everyone else was afraid. Did God rebuke David and say, David, well, you just don't have a revelation of grace yet, David. You have to understand that sometimes I'll put a giant in your way to teach you a lesson because when that giant defeats you, you'll learn that you have to trust. No, God was pleased by David's decision to go out, even though everyone else discouraged him, even though everyone else tried to cast him to the side and force him to do something that he wasn't called to do, David said, I am going to do what God wants me to do because I want to please God rather than man. You know, you think of Peter in Acts chapter 5, where the Bible says, that they were persecuted because they were preaching in Jesus' name, and they were beaten with rocks, they were thrown out of the church, and told to never preach again in Christ's name. And what did Peter say? He said, I would rather obey God than the authority of man. And you say, what does that have to do with faith? It has everything to do with faith. Because Peter made the decision that I would rather disappoint people and please God than please people and disappoint God. And what's that? That's faith, because faith is what pleases him. If your decisions, what you do, how you live your life doesn't please God, chances are you're not living by faith. And so it doesn't displease God that, hey, you know, I'm 21 years old, but I want to start an evangelistic ministry. I know it's a pandemic year. I know everyone's closing down ministries, but I think God has anointed me. And I know that if I launch out in faith, he'll meet me every single time. You know, I'm reminded of Luke chapter 5 
where the Bible records the story of when Jesus asked Peter to use his boat to preach the gospel. And when Peter allowed Jesus to step onto his boat and set out from the shore and used it to preach the gospel, the Bible says after that happened, they came back and Jesus said, I want you to set out one more time from the shore. And when he did, Jesus said, I want you to let down your net on the other side. And Peter responded. And he said, Lord, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Peter tried to do everything he could in his flesh. He was a fisherman by trade. He had a fishing business, but there was something that happened when Jesus gave him an instruction to let down his net on the other side. You see, a lot of people would take offense at what Jesus asked. Jesus, you're a carpenter's son. What do you know about fishing? What do you know about this line of work? I'm a professional fisherman. It's what I do every single day. I know where the best fishing spots are. I know what time of day or night they gather. I know the best way to do it. I have the best nets they make. But when Peter made a decision that said, nevertheless, at thy word, Father, Lord, I will let down my net. And the Bible says that when Peter stepped out in faith to obey the word of Christ Jesus to let down his net on the other side, that such a great catch of fish filled that net that the nets began to break and the ship began to sink, that Peter had to call his other ship that was in his company just to divide the catch because of how great the harvest of fish was at one moment of faith where he obeyed the word of Christ Jesus to do what he asked. So does faith please God? Yes. And he's looking for people just like me and TJ are on today. He's looking for people that will say, you know what? I resist the antichrist spirit that's in this world. I resist every ounce of fear that's trying to grip the hearts of people. I reject what my natural eyes see because I know what I see by my spiritual eyes, by the word of almighty God, that no matter what's going on in the world, it must come into alignment with God's word or else God's a liar. But I want you to know today that the Bible says, for God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. That the Bible says in James 1.17, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights for whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. What does that mean? That means that when God has spoken something, when God has given you a promise, when God has established something by his word, it's now up to you to believe that what God said is alive and he can do it right now. You know, God's just looking for someone, TJ, that will dare to believe that what he said is true and it's alive and active. He's looking for someone that will say, I'm looking for you, Father. I'm not focusing on the issue. I'm not looking at the giant. I'm focused on the spirit of the living God that dwells on the inside of me. You know why David wasn't afraid of Goliath in 1 Samuel 17? It was because he received the anointing in 1 Samuel 16, that when Samuel the prophet poured that horn of oil upon David's head, and that oil ran down from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, David was never the same from that moment forward, because the Bible says this, it says the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that moment forward. So David, when he sees the giant in one chapter later, he knows in his spirit that what's in me is bigger and greater and has more authority and power. No matter if that giant's eight feet tall or 12 feet tall or 100 feet tall, the spirit that's in me is greater than the spirit that's in the world. People of faith, you have to get this today, that who you are in Christ 
is greater than any attack of the devil. It's greater than any false news report. Like TJ mentioned, the story of the 12 spies that went in to scout out the land of Canaan and they saw the promised land and they saw how great it was. They saw how they had grapes and they had milk and they had honey and it was a place that flowed with abundance. They saw that, but then they saw the giants that lived there and instantly they said, oh, we can't possess this land because even though it's a great place and even though it has abundance, there's an obstacle in the way. And you know what? A lot of people are like that their whole life. They know that God's good. They know that the land's full of milk and honey. They know that God has something good for them. But as soon as an obstacle comes, as soon as a giant standing in the valley, as soon as a mountain's in the way, they allow that to dishearten their faith. They lose their confession. They lose their fire and their faith dies. But that will not be your story in Jesus' name. Because as we preach the word of God today, faith comes alive in your spirit. And no matter what the devil sent to destroy you, God has a word by faith that's carried by the vehicle of his word, of his spirit, that's going to take alive and take root today. And no matter what obstacle it was, I don't know what it is. It might be a disease in your body. It might be a sickness. It might be a virus. It might be depression, anxiety, fear, panic attack, nervous breakdowns, whatever the devil sent to destroy you, the power of faith, the power of the mighty Holy Ghost will send it back to hell where it belongs and you'll live a never-ending increase and have victory all the days of your life if you'll dare to believe that this word is for you and it's alive and it can do what it says. Amen. Yeah, and the word says in Hebrews eleven thirty three that it's through faith that we subdue kingdoms. And if you study the scriptures, which first of all, I love how you mentioned Luke 5 and Peter and the, the catch of fish, and him saying, nevertheless, at thy word, he said, at right. thy word, I will let it down. So faith operates based on your understanding of the word of God. Your faith right. will never rise higher than your understanding or your knowledge of God's word. You can't believe beyond your actual knowledge of God's word. So if you, you're, the only limits that you place on your faith is your limited knowledge of what God can do by his word. That's why Paul tells Timothy that you are to give yourself entirely to the study of this book, meditate on it, and then your progress will become evident to all. So if I mean, Joshua 1, 8, let this book of the law not depart from thy mouth, but be careful to meditate therein day and night, and you'll be like a tree. You'll, you'll find prosperity everywhere you go. You'll have good success throughout your life. You'll be like a tree, David said in Psalm 1, firmly planted by the riverbank, and in every season, you're yielding fruit, you're producing breakthrough, you're producing miracles. There's test a constant flow of testimonies because there's a constant outflow of faith through your words and your actions and your thoughts uh, uh, if you study the book of daniel in chapter six when the king sent daniel to the lion's den and he went in now those lions they when they would throw someone into a lion's den those lions hadn't eaten for many days they wouldn't send them into a lion's den with hung with um uh, uh, fed lions with satisfied lions because they know that wouldn't do anything. Those lions right. most likely hadn't eaten in several days and were ravening, ravenous, famished 
uh, hungry lions. But the Bible right. says that when Daniel trusted in his God, the faith, the force of faith, the unlimited power of faith subdued hungry lions so that instead of them being used to eat Daniel that night, they were actually pillows for him to sleep on and guard him from the cold. I'm telling you, what, whatever has challenged you, whatever is confronting you today, whatever is resisting your advancement today, faith is the force that will subdue that thing because faith taps into the omnipotency of God and brings God on the scene. And let me tell you, Psalm 94, when God arises, all his enemies get scattered. And faith allows you to keep active partnership with God so that you're never alone in life. But let me tell you something else. Not, be, you know, people say, well, how many of you know we're not alone? We have God's presence that goes with us everywhere we go. And they, they say that like he's some lucky charm, that he's some like four-leaf clover that they have in their pocket. Oh, I know God's with me. Well, if you study the scriptures, you'll find out what it means to actually carry God's presence. You look at the, the 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 temp the idol Dagon when they put the Ark of the Covenant which represented was which was the, the the presence of God housed on the earth when that Ark of the Covenant was seated next to the idol Dagon which was the Philistine god the next day when they came in to check it was Dagon that had fallen flat on his face with his with his hands broken off they put him back up they had to help him back up God never needed to be helped because God doesn't need your help to defeat the enemy he just needs your your cooperation in what he's doing the next day they went out again and what happened his torso was broken off then they put him up one last time they didn't get the message and the third time they did it his head had broken off and there he was smashed and ground to powder because the bible says jesus said whoever comes against this rock will be ground to powder whoever this rock comes against will break into pieces that you have to have a consciousness that faith allows you to Tap into that power alive in you. So like Preston said, the greater one living in you, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside, that wherever you go, your enemies will just be bread for you to eat. That God will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies as you, the, your enemy tries to drag you down. God said, by faith... The Bible says, declarest thou and you will be justified. Thou, thou shalt declare and decree a thing and light will shine on your ways. So it's important to have a consciousness of that. Because if yeah. you're not aware of that power in you, it will do you no good. You have to walk in the reality of the dominion power of God in you. And yes. as you do, Joshua 1.3. All the place on which the sole of your foot will tread on, by faith, will be subdued and brought into your possession. Hallelujah. You know, it's interesting that Hebrews chapter 11, they call it the chapter or the hall of faith. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that the Bible recorded a, chap a chapter of the Bible specifically to mention people who honored God with their faith and they were honored in the Bible. You know, the Bible doesn't have a chapter that lists all the people that were afraid or the people that didn't trust God. But you know what? Faith will make you famous. Faith will set you apart. Why? Because faith is rare. Very, very few people operate by the spirit of faith and have an understanding that no matter what's going on, God can get you through. 
Faith, faith is what makes you distinguished among the earth. And God, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord, they search to and fro seeking for someone whose heart is fixed upon him. You know, the reason that David was chosen to be king over Saul was because after Saul rejected God's word from Samuel to kill everything of the, the Agites, the Bible says that God told Samuel, go to the house of Jesse, for among his sons I have reserved a king, for I have selected a man who is after my own heart. And the Bible says that when Jesse brought in all the his sons and Samuel went by one by one and said, that's not him. That's not him. That's not him. Even though they were taller, even though they looked very kingly, even though David wasn't even brought in for the selection process, the Bible says something very interesting in that chapter. It says that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You see, God's just looking for hungry, thirsty people that have a heart that's fixed for him, that say, I want to live by faith because I want to please God. That even though they set me on the backside of that hill just to watch sheep, and I have to watch my brothers go and fight a battle I want to fight in, that I know that if I continue to maintain relationship with God, if I stay in his word, if I understand that no matter what's happening, God will make a way. And if there's no way to be made, the Bible says God's a creator. That even if there's nothing that you can see, God can create something that wasn't even there. You see, the devil can only manipulate what's already been created. But you serve a God who is the creator. That even if there's nothing around, even, you know, there's the difference between healing and a miracle. Because healing would be... You know, let's say you have a heart issue where your heart doesn't beat correctly. A healing would be that heartbeat comes back to normal. And praise God, that's wonderful. That's a healing in your body. But you know what's a miracle? A miracle is that when a baby is born without a heart, doesn't have a heart to even be healed, the miracle is that God can create a brand new heart and put it on the inside of that little baby. You see, there's a difference in the level of faith that you can have when you understand that God doesn't have to manipulate and change what already exists, but God can create something brand new just for you and just for me. That just like Joseph's father made him the coat of many colors because he was the son that he loved and he preferred him over his other sons, that God will create something that's just for you. And that if you believe it by faith, the reward that comes through your obedience to God's word will blow your mind that the Bible says that no man has seen nor I no eye has seen nor ear has heard the things that God has prepared for those that love him. I don't know what it is you're believing for today. I know Evangelist TJ said that we're going to pray for the sick at the end of this broadcast. But as we continue to preach the word of God, I want you to understand a story from the Bible where the Bible says that in the book of Acts, the apostles were preaching and there was a man with a withered hand that was listening as Paul preached. And the Bible says that as Paul was preaching, that man received the faith to be healed, that Paul didn't even have to lay hands on him. He didn't have to have a 40-day counseling session with the man about, okay, and rehab him and go through a rehabilitation process and give him medications, but simply from hearing the word of God, 
that was preached that day, the Bible said that man received the faith to be, well, to be made whole, and he stretched out his hand, and he was healed miraculously by the power of God. All you need is a word of God to come into your spirit today, and you receive it by faith, and you say, this obstacle must go in Jesus' name. By faith, I cast this mount into the sea and tell it to be removed. I have the faith today, and I know Evangelist TJ does too, that no matter what obstacle has been sent to destroy you. Faith is the victory that has overcome the world. You know, I'm reminded of Joshua chapter 14, where the Bible says there was a man by the name of Caleb who received a promise at the age of 40 that he would possess the land and he would acquire territory. And the Bible says that because of the sin of the Israelites, he had to wait 45 years to access this land. And the Bible says he made a declaration of faith in Joshua chapter 14. He said that though I am 85 years old today, I can possess this mountain for I am as strong today as I was 45 years ago. You see, that's faith, that he didn't consider his own body, just like Abraham did when he received the promise of his son Isaac. But he said, you know what? If God said it's mine, it's mine. It's not dependent upon my natural ability. It's not dependent upon my flesh. It's not dependent upon anything of this world, but it's solely based on the word that is established in heaven forever. You know, the word of God doesn't change. The word of God doesn't lose. And that's the word today is what's going to produce faith for you to receive your miracle by the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. And so I don't know what the obstacle is. I don't know what the problem is. But you can receive your answer today as you make a, you make a decision in your mind that I will not see with my natural eye, but I will see things as faith sees things. You know, the Bible records a story in 2 Kings chapter 6. The Bible says that the prophet Elisha would get insight and vision of the enemy king, and he would see into the enemy camp. And the Bible says that he would get wisdom and insight about what the enemy king was going to do, his battle plans, where the armies were going to be, how many people were in the army. And the Bible says that because the Lord would give visions to Elisha the prophet of what the enemy was doing, that Israel would have victory after victory after victory. And so the Bible says that when the king, the evil king, found out that the reason they were losing all these battles is because Israel had a secret weapon, the prophet Elisha, that could see in and give them inside information. That the Bible says that enemy king sent an entire army to kill one man, the prophet Elisha. And they found where he was staying in Dothan. And the Bible says that enemy army surrounded the tent that he was staying in with his servant. And the Bible says early in the morning, the servant rose before the prophet and he went out from the tent and he looked and he saw that enemy army. And as soon as he saw the obstacle, as soon as he saw that enemy army, fear set in to the servant's heart. And he began to be afraid and he ran back into the tent and he shook Elisha awake from his sleep. And he said, Master, can't you see that we're surrounded by the enemy and we're surely going to die? But I love the prophet Elisha's response because he didn't respond in fear. He didn't respond in panic. He didn't say, okay, let me call somebody. Let me get everything together. Let me call my lawyers. Whatever people do nowadays when obstacles come. But he simply prayed a simple prayer. He said, Lord, Open the eyes, the sights, open the eyes of my servant 
that he might see. And the Bible says the Lord opened the servant's eyes and Elisha sent out the servant again to look at the same problem, the same obstacle. And when the servant went out from the tent and he saw what it was before the enemy army, this time he didn't just see the enemy army, but the Bible says he saw a heavenly army, that there were hosts of angels, chariots of fire, that the Bible says there were more for them than there were against him. And he came back into the tent, and this time the fear had left, and he said, surely there are more for us than there are against us. What I want to show you today is that two people can look at the same situation, and one can see it by fear, one can see it by natural perception of what it looks like, and they can allow that to discourage them, they can allow that to break them down, fill them with panic and worry and anxiety, and that can be one way you can look at it, but you can also just be like the prophet Elisha that has that same under, sees the same situation, is living in that same tent. But when he sees it, he sees that God isn't on the way, but God is already there. You see, Elisha didn't pray, Lord, I pray that you would send help and get us out of this situation. No, the Bible says he prayed, Lord, open the eyes of my servant that he might see that there are already more for us than there are against us. Why? Because that's faith. Because faith is now. Faith doesn't say God will make a way. The Bible says faith is God already has made a way. And by faith, I believe I receive it and it's mine. No matter what the obstacle is today, you have the power of the dominion of faith to overcome every demonic agenda, every demonic scheme, every sickness in your body, every affliction in your mind, every financial issue. And as you speak by faith to that obstacle, things must turn around in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, and the the... You know, Abraham in Romans chapter four, the Bible says he didn't consider his own yes. body. And the first thing, if you're going to operate in faith, is you have to learn, like he said, is to set your gaze elsewhere. You can't right. focus and soak and wallow and complain about your situation. Complaining is not faith. Prayer is not a complaint venting session to God about your right. situation because, uh, if all you do is complain about it, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that they complained and they were destroyed by the destroyer. Complaining is literally the devil's voice of faith. It's like, it, it's it's the devil's trophy in your life. When you complain, it, it glorifies hell. It, it exalts Satan's rule over what he's doing in your life, in your situation and circumstance. But faith is the total opposite of complaint because faith right. is not ignoring life's problems. Faith, you know, right. Elisha didn't tell him, hey, you know, Father, I pray that you would open up his eyes to see, you know, what, what I'm seeing. And then he opened up his eyes and he saw the angels behind him. But And then all of a sudden the army in front of him was invisible. There was nothing really there. The whole time he was dreaming right. and, and, and they put him back into his bed. They put him in a straight jacket because they, they actually found out that he was developing schizophrenia. And no, the Bible says there was a real army. There was a right. real problem. There was a real challenge. Challenges right. in life are inevitable. But defeat is not an option for a child of God. Because through faith, the Bible says, without it, we can't please God. But with it, the Bible says God will reward those that carry it and those that seek him diligently, God will reward them back openly. So it's right. not ignoring 
Abraham understood his wife was barren. He understood he was 99 years old, pushing 100. But the Bible says he didn't consider it. He didn't focus on it. He didn't mm. let it bombard his mind and his thoughts. Rather, Romans 12, 2, he, he did not conform himself with the patterns of thought in this world, but he renewed his mind by the word yeah. of God. It's why it's yeah. important to study, to show yourself approved. Because when you get into this book, you find out what God has done and you find out what God has done and that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forevermore that God what what God has done he is doing and what God is doing he will continue to do because Malachi 3 6 I am the Lord your God and I change not the Bible says my covenant I will not break nor will I alter the word which has proceeded out of my mouth God is not a man that he should lie nor is he a a man that he should change his mind concerning you and uh when you start to study the word then something called violence comes into your spirit violence that's geared and guided towards the devil because you realize this is mine this thing says that healing belongs to me this thing says healing is the children's bread this book tells me that i'm not destined for poverty this book tells me that i'm not destined to to live living off the, 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 the bottom of the barrel. This book doesn't say that in some seasons I'm going to have victory in other seasons. We're going to have seasons of the valley. This book talks about glory to glory. This book talks about strength to strength. Then it develops yeah. a holy violence in your spirit against the onslaught of the devil in your life. Like that woman with the Yeshua blood. She had enough. You have to have enough. Until you say he's enough is enough you'll continue to live in the same way you've been living until you start to have something in your spirit where you stop settling for what the devil's offering and you start to have a a a, a holy violence rise up in your heart to reach and press on to the things of god to lay hold unto that which christ jesus has laid hold for me you're never going to break fruit whatever you don't resist has a right to remain whatever you don't confront uh, will continue to conquer you. But I tell you, submit to God, resist the devil. And the Bible says when that happens, the devil will run from you as in terror. That man that was paralyzed and his four friends were kind enough to bring him to where Jesus' meeting was being conducted. The Bible says they got to where the house was and there was no room. Violence, what does violence do? When you have a violent faith, it doesn't just say, well, there's no room. Guess we'll come back next week. I heard he's going to be in town in three months, so I guess we'll come back. We'll come back then and, and, and have him lay hands on our brother, but I guess uh, we won't be able to get it today. Hey, Mr. Paralytic, we're so sorry. We tried everything. No, you didn't try everything because violence doesn't stop at anything. Violence does not give up. Violence, faith, fights the fight of faith until it lays hold onto that which Christ Jesus bled and died for us to hold on to. They cut a hole into the roof and let him down. And when he let him down, the Bible says Jesus saw their faith. And I'm telling you, from this broadcast, I see that same violent faith rising up in your heart to not settle, to not dispute with the devil, but to take authority by faith and use the yeah. keys of the kingdom that the Bible says has power to bind whatever you want bound and to loose whatever you want loosed. Hallelujah. Absolutely. And then in Matthew chapter six, you know, kind of transitioning into praying by faith, this will help your prayer life because a lot of people, they have good doctrine on faith, but then when they get to praying, they undo their whole doctrine of faith with what they confess in prayer. But I want to read you a verse from Matthew chapter six, where Jesus said, 
in verse 7. He said, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like pagans do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask it. That's right. Pray then like this, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. He didn't say as your will is done. He said your will is done. Why? Because the word is the, the, will, the will of God is the word of God. And so he said the will of God is done because the word of God is here and it's in front of you and me. Your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, a lot of people when they pray, they don't pray by faith because they pray these empty religious sayings and they just rehearse the same 45-minute prayer where they have, you know, pray for blah, blah, blah. And it's wonderful to have a, you know, a steady where you're knocking on God's door and everything like that. But you have to get to a point where you believe by faith that it's yours, that you're not just saying random, you're not doing Hail Marys like Catholics do, but you're confessing by faith the Word of God. And when you pray, your prayers come into alignment with what God's Word has laid out before us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray like the will of God is done. Pray that just as things are in heaven, they shall be done on the earth. Well, let me ask you a question. Is there sickness in heaven right now? Is there handicapped parking spaces in heaven? Are there people suffering with COVID-19 in heaven? No. The, the Bible says that heaven is a place of healing. It's a place where everyone's happy. People are strong. There aren't people in wheelchairs. There's no one being, you know, there's no one on dialysis machines. Heaven is a place of perfect healing. Why? Why is there healing in heaven? Why is there no sickness in heaven? Because God's will is established in heaven and there's no resistance of sin and the fall of humanity in heaven because heaven is a place where God's will is perfect and established. And that was God's original intention in the garden. And sickness didn't enter until sin entered the world. But sickness, understand, was a result of the fall of mankind and the lie that the devil told to Adam and Eve and their rejection and their rebellion from what God said to do. And so because of that, that's when sickness entered. And so understand, God will never use sickness to afflict your body. And that when you pray, you don't have to pray, Lord, if it's your will, because the Bible says that Jesus was uh, uh, ministering and a leper came to him and he said, Lord, if it be your will, I know you can heal me. And the Bible says Jesus became indignant. You know what that means? Jesus was annoyed at what that leprous man said because he said, I am willing be healed. The Lord is already willing for you today. The word of God who is Christ Jesus is willing for you today. Healing in your body must come by the word of God, who is Christ Jesus. How do I know the word of God is Christ Jesus? John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The Bible says Christ was the word made flesh that dwelt among us. And here's something encouraging, Hebrews 13, 8, to accompany that revelation. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So if Jesus Christ is the word, then I can also make the conclusion that the word of God is the same. 
yesterday, today, and forever. God's will will forever be to see you healed, to see you set above and beyond, to see you blessed financially, to see you set free in your mind, to see you raised up to be a light in your generation. Because Jesus said in John 9, 5, he said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But understand, Jesus was beaten, crucified. He rose from the dead and ascended unto heaven. And the Bible says he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. So understand, Jesus isn't in his flesh in a body walking the earth today. But now, because Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost fell at Pentecost, he has filled us with the very same spirit that raised him from the dead, that now me and you are the light of the world, that everywhere we go, we don't make things worse. We don't weigh people down. You know, a great pastor, John Osteen, who we've mentioned today, he said something awesome. He said, church and the Bible, it's not something intended to weigh you down and put a load on you, but it's something where you should go, come and go and there should be a load taken off of you. Because Jesus said in Matthew 11, he said, are any among you weary? Are any among you tired? Are any among you sick of being beaten down by the devil to be, you know, chains of bondage on you and you just have no energy to do things and you're tired of life and you just want life to end? Are any of you feeling that way? Jesus said, come unto me and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see me and TJ, aren't on here today to tell you how hard life is and how nothing will ever work out for you and how the devil's on the winning side and you're just gonna have to suffer through life and that God will teach you lessons through humility because he's gonna beat you up your whole life and you're gonna be beaten and broken and bloodied and bruised. But one day in heaven, it will all be worth it. That's not how you pray because the Bible says when you pray, Jesus said it, pray, Father, let thy will be done, established, just as it is, it is in heaven, as it is on the earth. Father, I pray that heaven would come down to earth, that if healing's in heaven, I want healing on earth. If there's more than enough in heaven, there shall be more than enough on this earth. I am not bound to what I see. I'm not bound to the systems of this world. The Bible says in one Psalm 105, verse 37, for he has brought you out of Egypt with silver and with gold. And there was not one feeble among the tribes of Israel. God won't just deliver you, but he'll fill your hands with silver and gold. He's the God of overflow. He's the God of more than enough abundance. Surely your cup shall run over. Goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Test me in this, saith God, and see if I won't pour you out a blessing, that there won't be room enough to contain it. He's the God of overflow. He's the God of abundance. He's the God that heals your body. He's the God that sends every problem of hell back to where it came from, and it has no place in the life of the believer. So when you pray, pray from that authority, because we are not sinners that beg. We are not pagans or Muslims or Catholics that beg God to do what he can do, but we understand that we have sonship, that we have authority, that the Bible says we are joint heirs 
with Christ Jesus. And if I am a joint heir, that means I am just as much a recipient of the reward that Christ received as he was, that I have been conformed to the very image of God's own son, that when God sees you and me, he doesn't see who you were, but he sees who you now have been transformed to be by the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what faith does. Faith says, I have everything that God wants me to have, and I don't have to wait one more day. But as I believe I receive it, it's mine as I ask it. Hallelujah. That's powerful stuff. And, you know, in order to pray from that standpoint, you have to be absolutely convinced that Christ's resurrection, ascension, and His blood being shed for our redemption sealed the fact that we have now received the adoption by Christ Jesus unto God, that we now are children of God. Because when you understand that you're a son of God, a daughter of God, when you understand you're a child of God, nobody, if you have a good father, which, I mean, we can go through scripture after scripture that lists how good God is. I mean, you read through the Psalms. He turns your mourning into dancing. He turns your, your, your weeping into shouts of joy. The Bible says weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The Bible says in His presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand, pleasures, not pressures, pleasures forevermore. The Bible says give thanks unto the Lord for His wonderful goodness towards the sons of men. The Bible says the goodness of the Lord continues and endures continually. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights with whom there's no shifting shadow or variant of change. Jesus said, you evil parents know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your heavenly father give good things to those who ask? So if you're not convinced of the goodness of God, you're not going to approach God's throne boldly by his word in total assertion in your spirit and in, in, in assurance of faith that what you're asking for, he's actually going to give you because you're going to come in a beggarly mentality. You cannot approach God in a beggar's stance. We were not redeemed as beggars. The Bible says he has redeemed us by his blood and has made us to be kings and priests unto our God and Savior. The Bible says as many as received Christ, to them gave he power to become children of God. So now, I love this. When I read this, man, one a couple of, maybe a year ago or so, it just hit me so hard and it's never left me since. When Jesus was ascending, or right before he was going to ascend, Mary gripped onto his leg and Jesus said, don't hold on to me just yet. I have not yet ascended, but now I am going to my father and to your father. I'm now going to my God and to your God. You have to understand this. Now, if you're a Jew, then you are already, you know, grafted in and stuff. And by faith, you stay grafted in. But as Gentiles, and I think the majority of people that are watching are Gentiles, we had no dealings with God. We were strangers to the covenants of God. We were foreigners to the promises of God. We were without hope, without God in this world, destined as children of wrath. But the Bible says, God being rich in mercy, because of the great love which He had for us, He raised us up with Christ. The Bible says that the new wine couldn't be put into old wineskins. We were a bunch of old wineskins that couldn't house the presence of God, but God 
God made us new so we can now house this new wine, the Holy Ghost. And then get this, 1 Peter 2.9, we are now a royal priesthood. We are now a chosen generation. We are now God's prized possession and have been called forth to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into light. And then get this, people leave this out, which I don't think we should. But the next verse says, who once were not the people of God, who once had no dealings with God. We had no ability to approach God's throne. Even the Jews, once a year, the high priest can come into the Holy of Holies and not without going through this rigorous routine of cleansing and ceremonial cleansing. And if he came in and had not done something properly, he would drop dead. So they would tie a rope at his feet with a bell. So if the bell stopped ringing, they thought they, they knew he had died because he didn't he, didn't, he wasn't satisfying the demands of God. Jesus was the ultimate high priest. That's why I can't get along with the Roman Catholic Church because they're trying to substitute the place that only Christ can stand in. Christ entered in once and for all into the holy place, having obtained an eternal redemption. So now we can draw near with a true assurance of faith. Nothing doubting, but knowing that if we ask, we will receive if we seek, yes. we will find. If we knock, the door will be opened. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, what you just read, actually, it's funny. I was going to read Matthew 7, 7 just now, but you just quoted it. I'll read it again from the Bible. The Bible says, ask, and it will be given to you. You know, a lot of people, when it comes to praying, the reason they don't receive is because they don't ask for anything. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. A lot of people, when they pray, they pray from the standpoint that they're unworthy. They pray from the standpoint that they're not able to receive from God. And that maybe something they did in their past, maybe because their dad wasn't a pastor. I don't know. Whatever it is, the devil tries to get in your mind to make you believe that you're not able to receive from him. It's a lie from the devil to keep you small, to keep you ineffective, to make you someone that can't receive. You know how you can receive? Ask by faith. A lot of people just need to make the simple request and step to ask God to do what he would say to do. You know, I don't have a, a son or a daughter. I know you do, TJ. But if your son came to you and asked you for food because he was starving, would you be like, wow, what a selfish kid? What a, you know, why is he asking me that? Doesn't he realize that I have things to do? No, but because you're a father that loves your son, when he asks you for something that he needs and that's something he actually, he really needs it. The Bible says that just like you will give him something to eat when he's hungry, God will go above and beyond even that. But the Bible says, if you being evil, if you being mere men, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your heavenly father give to them who what? Who ask. If you don't ask the father, he doesn't, he knows what you need, but he's looking for your response to provoke his action. And that's what faith is. The Bible's established. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But that's the thing. Does that mean that people won't perish? No, many, many people will perish because it's not about what God wills. It's about you making your mind up to declare by faith that what God made available for me is mine. Christ died for the whole world, understand, but only those that believe in their heart and confess with their mouth can be saved. There's an action you have to take.
God's not going to do everything. God has never worked that way. God has always worked through partnership with humanity. That's what he did with Abraham. That's what he did with Isaac and Jacob and David and Solomon, that he's looking for people that will, you know, whatever they want, they put it to the side and they say, God, I want what you want. Father, what makes you angry, it will make me angry. Father, what you love, I will love. I will spend my life putting your word in my spirit, for I know that if you are your word, I want to know everything I can about you. But people have this mindset that going to church on a Sunday morning is all they have to do, and that everything's going to be perfect. No, a lot of times the reason people have trouble is because they just sit in a pew, and they spectate, and they watch people preach, and they just, you know, they get their soul satisfied, they get their ears itched, but there's no change because that person never steps out to do anything for God. You have to ask. You have to give. You have to pour your life out. And then God will give you so much more that there won't be room enough to contain it. You can't outgive God. No matter how much you give today, God can outgive you in one moment. People have this mentality that they're doing a favor for God when they give. No, what you're doing is you're unlocking. First of all, you're breaking the curse off your life. And then secondly, when you give offering, you're opening up the pathways of heaven for God to pour you out a blessing. If giving is for your benefit, not God's benefit. God owns all the silver and all the gold. Giving is for you. God doesn't need your money, but God is looking for your act of faith and for your heart to be moved by what moves his heart. And as you move the heart of God, God says, because you did this for me, watch what I'll do for you. That's what faith is all about. Faith doesn't say that when you give to God, you get nothing in return and your life's worth, worth off, worse off. But faith is when I give what I have to God, he blesses it and he multiplies it and he gives it back to me. And I'm not just speaking about money or finances, though it applies to that. But even when you take the boy with the five loaves and the two fish, he had enough food that day, understand? He had enough food that day to feed himself and probably even like two of his friends. Five loaves of bread. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't eat five loaves of bread by myself. He had enough food for him and probably a few others. But there were, the Bible says, 5,000 men there. So including women and children, there were probably over 10,000 people there. So he knew that though I have enough for me and probably a few others, it's not enough to satisfy the need that's on the table today. So he said, instead of eating what I could satisfy myself with, I'm going to lay it down and give it to the Lord. And when he gave it to Jesus, not only did Jesus bless it and break it and multiply it to the point where everyone had their fill, but the Bible says there were 12 baskets that were collected just to receive the overflow from one thing that was given to God by faith. Think about that. It wasn't just enough. You know, a lot of people say, oh, uh, when the boy gave the five loaves and the two fish, how many of you know that there was just enough for everyone to just be a little bit satisfied because that met the need? But that's not what God does because God doesn't just meet needs. He'll answer the desires of your heart. God goes above and beyond. So not only that because that boy gave that offering that day, not only did it feed people, but there were 12 baskets of overflow. And one thing my dad used to teach is what those 12 baskets were probably given to that boy. And he probably went home with men carrying that, those baskets back to his house, back to his mom. And not only did he have what his mom gave him, but he came back with full grown men carrying the baskets of the overflow that came from one seed sowed in faith. Hallelujah.
So understand, we're not preaching today that faith is the path of, of less than. Faith is the path where everything will be taken and that as you live by faith, God will reward you in heaven one day. No. You know, there's a story of my, that my uncle Ted tells that I like. And he tells a story about when he was starting out preaching, he lived with uh, his parents at the time. And so when he would drive to his meetings, he'd come back and my papa would go out to his car and see that every time my uncle Ted came back, the gas would be on empty. It would be almost to empty. There'd be almost no gas in the car every single time. And so my papa was talking to Uncle Ted. He said, Ted, why every time you come back from a meeting is your gas on empty? And my Uncle Ted replied, he said, well, I'm a faith preacher, Dad. And so I have to operate from that level where the gas tank is on empty because I'm a faith preacher. And he said, son, let me tell you something and never forget this. Faith operates better from F than it does from E. You see, faith doesn't operate from emptiness and just enough. Faith operates to fullness. Faith operates to overflow. And as you operate from fullness, and as you live your life by the word of God, and as you give what you have, God says, see if I won't pour you out a blessing, that there won't be room enough to contain it. And as you pray, you can pray like that, that my faith operates from fullness. It doesn't operate from emptiness. I don't have a live, live a life where I'm scraping by and barely making it through. And that's faith. That's not faith. Faith operates from fullness and overflow and abundance. And that will change your prayer life. Yeah. And I think this works perfectly to transition and, and we'll do, um, we'll do this and then we'll pray. We'll pray for the sick, but I think it's perfect to transition into, uh, the power of our words because I believe that if you pray, no matter how much faith you exercise when you pray, if you leave your prayer closet and begin to sow seeds from your mouth of unbelief, you're going to negate the effect of that prayer. So what you say in prayer and what you say outside of you praying are equally important, if not more important, to guard your mouth outside of prayer. Because right. a lot of people sow seeds in prayer, and then they're watering the seed in prayer, not realizing that the moment they left their prayer closet, they actually uprooted the seed, and they've been just watering earth. And there's nothing growing, and so they live frustrated lives because, and it, I could understand why it's frustrating, because you keep asking God for something, but then when you get around a couple of people, and you get into a different environment. See, it's easy to ask God big when you're in an anointed, faith-filled environment. But when you leave that, when you leave that church service, when you leave that worship service or whatever, and then you get in on your own and you're alone and, and there's nobody around you to encourage you. See, that's what David did. David, when he went out and he came back from battle and the Philistines had totally ransacked his own army and his, uh, his children had been taken away captive and his wives and wives, isn't that funny? His wives <laughs> and all the people's wives had been taken away captive. They all immediately let their guard down, picked up stones, and we're going to stone David because he was the leader. But David right. says, it says something interesting in, in 1 Samuel 30. David sh strengthened himself in the Lord. He didn't right. allow, he knew his covenant with God. He knew what God had promised him, not just one victory, but victory after victory. He knew this yeah. was outside of covenant, uh, of, of, of God's covenant terms. So what did mm -hmm. he do? He strengthened himself in the Lord. Hallelujah. And he made sure 
that no evil proceeded out of his mouth. The first thing, when you start to, you pray for something and it goes from bad to worse, the enemy wants you to speak words of, of, of defeat, words that will ultimately lead to further negative consequences in what you're seeing done. That's why uh, Jairus, Jairus comes to Jesus. My daughter's at the point of death. Come and lay hands on her and she'll live. Jesus says, I will go. While he's going, the woman with the issue of blood, who knows how long it took, maybe several hours before he got to his house. The moment he gets to his, uh, he's approaching the house, people from Jairus' house come out and say, don't trouble the teacher any longer. Your situation just went from bad to worse. Your daughter is dead. There's no point in bothering Jesus. Jairus could have easily have just said, you know what? All this has never gotten me anywhere. This whole faith business doesn't work for me. You know, God, you get angry at God. You know, the Bible says a man's foolishness twists his way and then his heart frets, frets against the Lord. He gets angry with God. Lord, I can't believe you let this happen. Man, Jesus, I, I asked you to come and heal her. You couldn't even keep her alive a couple of more hours. But what did Jesus do? The moment they said, don't trouble the teacher any longer, your daughter is dead. Jesus looked at Jairus and said, hey, hey, be cautious. Don't fear now. Don't let your heart be afraid. Don't speak words of doubt now. You've called on me. I'm coming. I am the resurrection and the life. Don't undo what I'm about to do. Don't fear. Guard your heart above all things, for out of it will flow the issues of life. Jesus knew if he didn't say don't fear, if he didn't guard Jairus' heart in that moment, Jairus would have been an open wreck. It's like Mary and Martha come to the tomb of Lazarus. Teacher, had you come here a couple of days earlier, he wouldn't have died. But even now, I know you'll raise him up in the resurrection. Jesus looked at him and the Bible says he was grieved in spirit because they were weeping. They were weeping. Didn't you call for me? Why are you crying? Crying is not a sign of faith. It is not a symbol of faith. Crying, uh, I think it's your cousin Jonathan says, is the, the devil's trophies. Tears are the devil's trophies. Stop crying about something you've already given and handed over to God. Mm. The Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord. Don't cut the line after. Cut the line. After you cast it out, cut the line. Leave it in God's camp. Because he said, I care for you. So Preston, how important are the words that you speak after you pray extremely important you know um i always i give the analogy it's like people build this beautiful ice sculpture of their prayers in other words they they pray powerful faith-filled prayers and it's going good and then they undo it at the end with like i call it a hammer that smashes this ice sculpture that they build and it's this phrase if it be your will you know it doesn't matter what you pray if you pray and at the end you make this declaration like God is some lottery ticket or some Vegas slot machine that you pull and there's a chance that he might hear your prayer and that God's sovereign and he heals who he wants to heal and he lets others die that he wants to die. If you have that belief, you'll never be able to provoke God by your faith. You know, one thing my dad says that I like a lot, he says that God is not moved by your need. God is moved by faith because if God was moved by need, there would be no needs. But obviously you can see in the world there are needs in the world. Then the reason there's needs in the world is because there aren't people of faith. If there were people of faith, all the needs would be erased. You know, God's not moved by <clears throat> God's not moved by begging. God's not moved by you, you know, being and like you said, crying and just being so sad and you know, God, if you will do it, that's not what moves God. What moves God is faith, and faith comes by the word. 
You have to remind God in prayer what he has spoken over your life. That if Psalm 103 verse 3 says that he has forgiven all my iniquities and he's healed all my diseases, then guess what? Diseases have no place in my body. God, if that's what your word declares, then if I'm sick in my body, something's not right. Father, I approach you on the basis of your word, and I believe that it's alive for me, and I believe it can do what you, you said you can do. That's for the prayers that move God. You have to remind God of what he said, not because God forgot, but because God wants to see you confess with your own mouth and establish that covenant relationship where you believe he can do what he said he can do, and then that pleases him, and so he blesses you because of your obedience and your willingness to believe that what he said he can actually do. That's, that's right. Um, I think it's a good point to transition into praying uh, for those that are sick online right now, because I know there's a lot of people and some of you have written into me and you're believing God for a physical healing. Well, let me bounce off what he said. Psalm 103, the Bible says there are benefits to being a born again child of God. Uh, I think when Acts chapter 14 happened and Paul was at Lystra and there was a man that sat there crippled from his mother's womb who had never walked impotent in his feet and Paul was preaching the gospel and the Bible says that that man had faith to be healed. Well, obviously Paul's gospel included divine healing for the man not to have faith to be saved, not to have faith to have financial breakthrough. The Bible says he had faith to be healed. And so obviously the gospel and healing are not separate issues. They're healing. Divine healing is part and parcel in the gospel. If the Siamese twins of hell are sin and sickness, then the Siamese twins of heaven are salvation and healing. Divine healing. The Bible says, brethren, uh, 3 John verse 2, I would that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. I wish, yeah. John, the apostle, I wish, John, who, who leaned on Jesus' bosom, the one who was, uh, the one, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one who knew the heart of God, yes. said, I wish that above all other things, you'd prosper and be in good health. People diminish that. Uh, you know, they'll say there's, there's better things to gain than healing and worse things to lose. You know, if that were the case, when Jesus came to blind Bartimaeus and said, blind Bartimaeus, what would you have me to do for you? And blind Bartimaeus said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Did Jesus turn to him and say, hey, there's worse things to lose than your sight and better things to gain. Let me tell you about the gospel. No, he said, as your faith is, so let it, so let it be done unto you. And he reached for and touched his eyes. That man who had a withered hand in Mark 3, and Jesus was teaching in the synagogue and the, the Pharisees were looking there uh, uh, waiting for him to heal him so that they might have something to accuse him of. Jesus knew that and he said, hey, sir, stand up straight in the aisle. Like a, you know, a, 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 a new, like a 1970s evangelist. Why don't you stand right, up right. straight in the aisle, sir? Lift your hands, power of God's on you. And he, he did that. And then Jesus said, um, stretch forth thine hand. He didn't say, hey, listen here, I know you have a withered hand here, but understand, much worse is that withered spirit in you 
And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal that spirit. If Isaiah 53, by his stripes you are healed, had reference to your spiritual healing, we didn't need spiritual healing. We were spiritually dead. When someone's dead, he doesn't need healed. He needs resurrection power. When, G, when right. Isaiah 53 said, by his stripes we are healed, it's talking about your physical healing, your bodily healing, your flesh and blood getting healed. Because Jesus is the Savior of the body. Ephesians 5, and no man hates his own body, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as Christ does his church. You're not separate. He doesn't, he doesn't love your spirit and your soul, but your body is disposable. Your body is very precious. The Bible says you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your spirit and your body, which belong to Christ. I don't know about you. If I own five cars... I, don't, I wouldn't want one of the cars to be scratched up, don't care, as long as I have the other four. I want all five cars to be in pristine shape. Well, you right. belong to God. You're not your own anymore. And he takes, he's the proprietor of, you, of your, uh, your body. And he takes good care of you. And he's going to take good care of you right now. And Preston, you, you add on whatever you need to add on, and then I'll, you go ahead and pray for the people. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to take too much time, but I just want to read one verse out of Exodus 15 and verse 26. I want to read to you and let you know that God is a healer. The Bible says this in Isaiah, or Exodus chapter 15. It said, There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes. What's that? That's the word. Keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you that I have put on the Egyptians. Understand the Egyptians in Egypt always represent the world and the people that live in the world. I will not put on you the diseases that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer. Father, I pray for every single person that's logged onto this broadcast. I thank you that they understand by faith today that you are a healer today and forevermore. Father, I thank you that you can heal stage four cancer just as easy as a headache. I thank you that not only is nothing too hard for you, Father, but nothing is even hard for you. For you are great. You are mighty. You are exalted above every wicked thing, every affliction in people's bodies. I rebuke it by the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. I approach the problem on the basis of your word, God. And I thank you that sickness must leave in Jesus' mighty name. From the top of their head to the soles of their feet, Father, I thank you that wherever the issue is, as they begin to put their own hand on it, they begin to feel a warmth and a heat, and that heat would release the healing power that you have in your hand. I thank you that disease is from hell, that, Father, you have not given disease as something for us to be tested with or to make us learn lessons or to um, make us meek or humble us. But, Father, it's from hell, and I send it back to hell right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you that healing has come. I thank you, God, that by faith people that are listening, that are in need of healing, they say, I believe it as, as I receive it because I have asked it by faith because the Word of God says it can be mine, and the Holy Ghost carries it to me in the mighty name of Jesus, and it's done as you believe it by faith. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Well, I want you, as you, um, as he prayed for you and you receive it by faith, I want you to write me in whatever testimony God gave you, even from this broadcast. I want you to write me in. You can go on our website, salvationnow.ca, and contact us from there. Or you can just write me in on Facebook, on our Facebook page. Or if you're on YouTube, you can go on Instagram or whatever. I, I want to know what God did for you because I don't believe, I really don't believe, you can preach and teach uh so clearly and powerfully on the subject of faith and then ended off in healing and then God not demonstrate his power through it. Faith yields marvelous results. Faith brings forth results. Faith without works is dead, but faith with works is made perfect and it brings yeah. forth results. We don't preach and teach just to entertain people for an hour and, you know, an hour and a half. Man, that went by quick. We don't just preach and teach to entertain. We preach and teach just like Jesus did. Taught in their synagogues, preached the gospel of the kingdom, and healed their sick, raised their dead, cast out devils, cleansed yeah. the leopard, and the Bible says the multitudes glorified God. So bring back glory to God. Don't do like the nine lepers that received their healing and didn't do anything about it. Come back. Give glory to God. I want to hear about what God did in your life. Preston, thank you so much for being on the broadcast today. It was phenomenal. I, I mean... On my end, it's definitely not going to be the last time we have you on. Oh, thank you. Obviously, and you it was to my... accept the invitation and stuff. I'm not forcing <laughs> no. you back on. There's nobody at gunpoint behind your back. but <laughs> No, no. I would love to come. I'd love to be a regular. I'm very happy uh, that I was able to have the opportunity. And you're doing so awesome. I love seeing what you're doing. And I'm believing for increase in every area of your life. Appreciate uh, more meetings than you've ever had in the name of Jesus. I believe that for you. And I'm really happy that we made the connection. Uh, you know, young evangelists got to stick together, I guess, huh? So, uh, and I'm really happy. And, um, you know, I could talk about this subject for hours and hours and hours. You know, it's not something that's a burden to me or I get tired of. I love preaching faith. And obviously I can't see their faces, but I know when I preach on faith, like in a meeting, and you can see someone's eyes light up because they finally receive the understanding that maybe something they've been dealing with their whole life can leave in one moment. And uh, I pray that many of you have that realization today. And I know TJ has probably taught on this many times and people that listen to him have a good understanding of it. But maybe there's something you caught new today from the word of God and it lit up something in your spirit. And that's the greatest joy of mine. And um, if you if you feel to, to follow me and to know what I'm up to, um, you can follow me on uh, yeah, social media, on, on Instagram at um, P.S. Shuttlesworth, which is my name, or just type in Preston Shuttlesworth and I'll pop up. You can follow me there. And then uh, just launched a website last month and it's doing well. And so just to stay connected with me, see what I'm doing. Um, we were just, or I always say we, and it, it makes you sound more professional, but it was really just just me. But um, I was just in um, uh, Vermont, had a powerful Sunday morning meeting this week, um, around 200 people in the church itself. And the Altar time, altar was packed with people, probably 150 people entered the altar call. And we've been in uh, Vermont, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania. We've been, we've been going around uh, Maryland, Delaware. We've uh, been going around preaching and God's been good even in this season. And uh, I believe that young people got to wake up and get on fire and start preaching. You know, in a world where, you know, every demonic Antichrist spirits preaching every day. We need more on fire young people that are unafraid of the devil, that know the word of God and are ready to see a new generation come to Christ 
and to see the greatest revival we've ever seen before the second coming of Jesus. And so uh, God's been good, and I'm very happy to be with Evangelist TJ today, and uh, hope to be a regular. hope to come back sometime soon, and it was awesome. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Well, let me tell you, if Antifa, if one person full of the devil, young people, they're really young guys, full of the they devil are. can cause such havoc in the United States of America, and so quickly, how much right. more? Should Holy Ghost Christians, evangelists, pastors, Christians, ambassadors of the kingdom be able to right. stir up good works in our nations on the earth? So I believe if, if the devil can do that, I mean, that's, that's nothing compared to what the Holy Ghost in us. If 120 can flip the upper room and then go out and flip the whole world upside right, I believe that uh, we're about to enter into the greatest days of the church on the earth. I really believe that. And uh, you, I I, I'm so thankful to have connected with you. Uh, follow him on Instagram at P.S. Shuttlesworth. I wrote it down in the comment section for everyone. And then you can go to his website, PrestonShuttlesworth.com. I wrote it down. And I would encourage you to partner with this ministry, with his ministry. He's a, a phenomenal man of God. Give, sow, whatever. We're, we're going to be sowing from, from, uh, on, 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 from this broadcast today. We're going to be giving something to, to, towards his ministry and stuff. And God's raising him up, a powerful Powerful agent of change that God's raising up in the United States. So, Preston, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, definitely not going to be the last time. Uh, we'll probably bring you on very soon. So, hope hope to see you back soon, man. I'll, I'll text yeah. you right after yeah. this. All right, perfect. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you so much. All right, God bless you, man. God bless you, too. What a powerful, powerful broadcast uh, with a great man of God. And uh, I know that some of you, if not all, caught something in your spirit today that's going to greatly revolutionize the way that you live life from this moment onward. You know, the Bible says faith, faith has power to not only bring in promises, but to out of weakness, they became strong to strengthen you, not just strengthen you in your mindset, and, but actual power to strengthen your body, strengthen your spirit. So that you don't just confess that you're more than a conqueror, but you can actually live on the earth as more than a conqueror through him who loved us. So uh, if you're watching right now and you'd like to give, you can do so by going to salvationnow.ca slash give. You can give on the, on uh, we do PayPal and also subsplash giving. If you're in Canada, you can do a e-transfer to info at salvationnow.ca. I don't think in the U.S. they do e-transfers. Info at salvationnow.ca. I just put it on the comment section. And you can give. I want to thank everyone that gives today. Whether you become a monthly partner or just a one-time gift, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. You remember the Bible says very clearly that whoever gives sparingly shall reap sparingly. But those who give bountifully, something that means something in their heart, that's a sacrificial gift towards God's kingdom. The Bible says that that man will not be forgotten, but they will also reap a bountiful harvest. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji, or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.